Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Thursday morning, June 9th, 2022. It is 7.03 on your Tucson Thursday, and you're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, as we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Glad to be with you here on uh, getting getting closer to the weekend, and that's always good for, uh, well, for most people, unless you, you know, you're somebody who works weekends, but it's uh, it's good for most people. I'm actually going to be in Tucson this weekend. I am really looking forward to being back in my uh, in my home city, uh, you know, during the off-season. I don't get a chance to be down there as, uh, as often as I'd like to, but I'll be in Tucson. I'll be heading down tomorrow. The uh, uh, Boys and Girls Clubs of Tucson, it's a, uh, it, it's a, it's a nonprofit that I am uh, I have been supportive of for a long time, and uh, I have been uh, blessed with being asked to be a uh, a member of their big dinner that they do every single year. It's the Youth of the Year dinner. It's called the Steak and Burger, and it's a really cool event. Um, if you if you've never been, if you've you know if you're not familiar with it, uh, just you know basically. The way it works is, you know, all the kids from the clubs and the clubhouses around uh, around Tucson and South Tucson, they gather them in the big ballroom at the Casino del Sol Resort, and uh, they put on a uh, you know a big dinner for them, and the uh, the kids get to eat steak and you know fancy meal, and the adults eat cheeseburgers, and it's really cool. Um, this will be my seventh year, I believe. I think this is my seventh year. Seventh year doing it. Um, regardless, uh, they they asked me to come in and, and I, you know, they want to make it a big production, so they asked you know, they asked me to come in and announce the youth of the year. Um, you know, the, all the different youth of the year candidates from the uh, from the different clubhouses, and they get athletes, you know, football players and basketball players, and you know, athletes from from campus to form a high five line as I announce the kids. I kind of give like a little bio on them, you know, where they're from and, you know, that kind of stuff and their GPA and all kinds of fun things like that. And then they go running through the high five line and we have raffle tickets and stuff. And it's just, it's a great event. It's a very, it's a very humbling event. I've sat at tables because you sit at the tables with the kids. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a very, actually Mary, uh, my producer is going to be there also, which is, uh, which is great. I don't know. Um, if we're going to be at the same table, but, uh, if we are, that'd be awesome. But, uh, regardless, but they have, they have kids at the tables and you get to talk to them. And I tell you, man, some of these stories, like I, I was like, I think it was either the first or the second year I did it. Like this kid had me in tears, man. I was just like, what? Like, you really get a kind of a, you know, a glimpse into what's going on in the lives of uh, some of the other folks, you know, around town and, you know, just in the world, really. And I remember this kid, there's a, there's a raffle, there's a raffle like every 30 minutes and all the kids, get raffle tickets like the you know the adults and stuff and the people who attend buy raffle tickets to give to the kids so they can win prizes and they give away like this kid won a bike um and he basically you know he, th- this kid had won the bicycle and i you know i was like man that's that's amazing i can't believe you won a bicycle you would you know what do you do you know, do you know how to ride what are you gonna do with it and he goes yeah i know how to ride uh, and he says, I'm actually going to give this bike to my little brother because he doesn't know how to ride. I don't have a bike, but I'm going to give this one to him so he can learn how to ride. And I was just like, I could feel it in my throat. I was choking up, 
And I was like, this kid is going to make me cry here at this dinner, and I'm not going to be able to do my job. But uh, it's, a, it's a very humbling experience, and I am, I am always excited uh, to be a, a part of that uh, production. So looking forward to that and, uh, and being in Tucson this weekend for, uh, for the big Boys and Girls Clubs of Tucson. Uh, the, the Youth of the Year dinner, the Steak and Burger event, always a good time. Um, so that's, uh, that's what's, uh, I'll, you know, I'll be doing that this weekend. I'm looking forward to that, as I mentioned, and hopefully you guys have something going on. And if, hey, if you're at the Steak and Burger uh, dinner yourself, Come by and say hi. I, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to talk with people. I'm always just kind of hanging out. I'll just be by myself, <laughs> just hanging out there. So come on, uh, come on over and uh, say hello. Would love to uh, to meet you if you're listening and and uh, talk with you and get some get some thoughts and maybe even get your thoughts on our topic that we're going to be talking about today. A topic that I launched on Twitter yesterday, shortly after the show ended. It was something that I wanted to get out there. I didn't want to talk about it on yesterday's show too much. Because I didn't want to start the. Because I know once I, you know, once I get my mouth moving, like it's not going to stop. It's just going to keep going, and I'm going to start talking about it, and then I'm going to ruin my plans. While I was down with the, you know, with the concussion and everything last week, and I, you know, I couldn't be around lights or noises or anything like that. I had a lot of time to just sit in my head and think about things. And one of the things that I thought about was, I, I'm I'm wondering if there's an individual player, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure there is. But which individual player, which single player would have benefited most under Tommy Lloyd? Which single player from the Sean Miller era would have benefited most from playing for Tommy Lloyd? And the gears started grinding, and I'm like, okay, we'll do this next week. You know, we'll 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 do this you know topic real soon um, because I you know I've I've got it fresh in my mind and and I want to talk about it. So. I launched that on Twitter yesterday, had great responses from the listeners and the, uh, the Twitter followers out there, uh, some members of the media chiming in as well, and I appreciate everyone who, uh, who gave their votes and you know, gave reasons why. There was some, there was some good discussion on, uh, on the Twitter page. Like, that's, like, that's the kind of stuff that I like to see on Twitter. There was no vitriol. There was no, you're an idiot, you're a clown, you, know, what, you don't know what you're talking about. There was none of that. It was great. Um, we had some, you know, some good conversation out there, had a lot of great suggestions from you guys, and we'll talk about that in today's show. I talked about it, actually, I, I was on uh, Spears and Ali yesterday um, at about 5.30. They invited me to come on the show because they wanted, they wanted to, to, to voice their opinions uh, about it as well. I think every, you know, anybody who watched basketball, covered basketball, enjoyed Wildcat basketball during the Sean Miller era has an opinion on which player, maybe their favorite player, uh, from the Sean Miller era would have, you know, potentially benefited from playing for Tommy Lloyd in this particular system of Wildcat basketball. So we'll be talking about that today uh, coming up in a little bit. We have Diamondbacks tickets to give away today. Once again, I have a pair of tickets, tickets to go see the D-backs take on the Minnesota Twins. The game is scheduled for Saturday, June 18th up here in Phoenix, obviously. Uh, and we'll be giving those uh, tickets away. Be listening for your cue to call at some point between now and 8.58 this morning. I'll be giving those away, so be listening for that. We don't have any guests scheduled today right now. I'm kind of waiting to get new word back on a text message I sent out to see if someone wants to join the program today to talk specifically about the uh, the topic that I the main topic that I wanted to dis- to discuss and that I kind of teased on Twitter yesterday, but we'll see. I don't want to I don't want to jinx it by saying you know oh so and so is going to be joining me on the show today and then they can't. So uh, so we'll wait and see and maybe it'll be a surprise to all of us. They'll just call up and 
we'll get to talk to him. But there's plenty of other things to get into today before we uh, before we dive into that topic. We have uh, we'll have some NFL news and notes as we do every single day here on the Jeff Dean Show. Of course, a promise to you. And it, I, you know, gosh, uh, I sure am glad that the Los Angeles Rams, who won the Super Bowl last year, were completely out of money and weren't able to sign players to incredibly lucrative contracts, making them two of the highest-paid players in the NFL. Uh, I'm sure glad that 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 didn't happen. Holy crap. (laughs) We'll talk about that coming up as as, as, as well as other uh, things in the NFL. We'll talk about Game 3 in the NBA Finals last night as the Celtics win once again, 116-100 to going away. They had uh, built up an 18-point lead in that game. Steph Curry kind of wills them back. They get the seven-point possession in that game, remember, where the the four-point play, then the turnover and a three. That was, you know, kind of a huge swing for the dubs, but there's something wrong with the the Warriors' defense, and I have some thoughts on that, so we'll talk about that coming up. Wildcat football news is where we will begin, though. Now, I I do want to start by saying this before I forget, because – Last night, I had a dream. I had a dream about Wildcat football. My dream, and I'm only mentioning this because I need to put it out there in the ether and maybe I can just, you know, will it to happen. You know, put it out there into the galaxy and maybe, you know, it manifests into, into truth. And I can sit there while I'm announcing, what, you know, whichever football game it is and be like, hey, this is deja vu. Why is this so memorable to me? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember I had that dream back on you know June 8th, 9th, and I talked about it on the show. Now, my dream that I had last night for Arizona football is I, I, was, I was announcing a home game, and the, the dream was kind of spotty. There wasn't a whole, it wasn't real detailed. There was just one thing that stuck out about the dream. And I remember at halftime, I was looking at my notes, because I keep, I, I'm very busy <laughs> while, I'm, while I'm announcing. I, I don't just sit there and just watch the game and just announce. Like, I'm keeping statistics and numbers and things like that. Uh, and then also I get fed information into my headset. So <laughs> in the dream, you know, I was announcing a home game. I don't know who the, who the opponent was, just announcing a home game. And I said during halftime, I was like, oh, my gosh, Jacob Cowing has 15 catches already. So that was my dream, and that's kind of like the the, you know, the future that I'm trying to manifest here, that it was some home game, Jacob Cowing, transfer, of course, uh, wide receiver for Jed Fish and the Wildcats this upcoming season, does in fact have 15 catches in a half, in the first half of a football game, which would be incredible, right? 15, I mean, getting 15 catches in a game in college football is, uh, is insane enough, but to have them in the first half, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of a weird like a weird dream, like a weird thing that stuck out to me. But, yeah, Jacob Cowing had 15 catches in the first half of whatever home game we were playing that day. So maybe it will become truth, and I can sit there and be like, whoa, deja vu. That would be awesome. Um, but Wildcat football was in the news yesterday, and we're going to be talking about them right now because that you know that, that the, the cactus gif that, uh, that Coach Fish likes to tweet out whenever he gets commitments upcoming and – you know, he does a great job of, of teasing it and then letting the kids have their moment, right? When, when the time becomes official, whether they want to announce on Twitter or Instagram or however they want to announce their commitment, uh, then he, you know, then the Wildcat football can go live with it. But he does like to tease and send some, uh, you know, send some good positive vibes out there and make sure that, uh, that, we're, that we're paying attention. So he likes to get those dancing cactus gifts 
uh, put out there, and he tweeted it with the number seven, saying, uh, intimating that there was going to be seven commitments from the large weekend of visitors that were in Tucson this past weekend. Well, that number has climbed to six officially. Six of the seven weekend commitments have now gone public as two were added from Hawaii yesterday and another one from Long Beach Poly. Now, the the Hawaiian contingency, of course, look, ever since ever since Johnny Nansen was brought over from UCLA to be the defensive coordinator and he brought over Jason Kaufusi with him, we knew that that the Polynesian pipeline was going to be wide open. Of course, Jordan Popow uh, has already brought that here as well. But with Nansen and Kaufusi in you know in play now, the the Polynesian pipeline is is completely wide open. And two more joined the program yesterday. One of them, an athlete, Gavin Hunter. He's a three-star athlete from Mililani High School in Hawaii. He's uh, he's a long strider, speedster kind. He's like you know he's six he's like six one, six foot six one, uh, somewhere in there. He'll most likely play defensive back for Arizona. But I you know he there's certain situations I'm sure where he could be on the field with a football in his hands. You know whether it be in the in the kick return game, punt return game. Or even on offense because he, you know, he does have uh, ball skills as well. Um, so Gavin Hunter comes over. He makes his verbal commitment to the 2023 class of Wildcats. He had offers from Oregon State, San Diego State, and Utah State. So some good offers there that the Wildcats were able to uh, uh, to secure him away from. Very, you know, very regional. One of them a conference school, and the other two very, very regional schools in San Diego and uh, Utah. The other commitment from Hawaii was a linebacker, and I'm going to attempt this name without, you know, getting direction from the uh, sports information's uh, office. Kamuela Kaihui. <laughs> I hope I didn't butcher it too badly there uh, for that young man, but he is a three-star linebacker from Theodore Roosevelt High School. Um, the Wildcats, you know, Jed Fish and the Wildcats offered him way back in February. They were the first, first school to, to, to send him an offer. Uh, after that, he received offers from uh, Boise, uh, Boise State, Hawaii, uh, Nevada, Army. So he received offers from all of them, and he chose Arizona. They were the first school to to offer him, and a lot of times that that tends to to play in your favor. Um, so you know, congrats to the uh, to the Wildcats and their staff on getting on him early. Um, don't know a whole lot of, of you know about him. I just know that uh, he kind of plays that outside linebacker, you know, position where he can get up on the line of scrimmage, play, you know, pass rush type of situation, play linebacker, sidelines, you know, mid midpoint to sideline, that kind of stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, another good addition for the Cats. And, of course, keeping that Polynesian and Hawaiian pipeline open is always huge. The other commitment that the Wildcats got was a three-star edge rusher. His name is Dominic Lolesio from Long Beach Poly, and we all f- are familiar with that school. If you're not, you have been paying attention the last 25 years. Uh, he's, a, uh, he's a young man from Long Beach Poly. He is – now, none of these stars are official. I don't believe they've all been – they're just – you know, they're, they're not the, the composite ratings that, uh, that, the, uh, that the, the recruiting services give. They're just kind of like, I think – maybe predictions or something of what the you know what their star rating is going to be regardless i'm not huge on the star ratings anyways it's just some way we kind of identify uh you know the 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 quality of the class that that you know a certain team is bringing in but regardless 
Dominic Lelesio, a uh, an edge rusher, didn't have a whole lot of uh, of offers. He had an offer from Colorado and an offer out of, an offer from San Jose State. Both schools who uh, you know recruit defense uh, quite well, actually. So good to see the Wildcats get a, a commitment from an edge rusher from Long Beach Poly. Always good to have that pipeline open as well. Also in Wildcat football news, Jabbar Triplett, linebacker. Um, he was a member of the 2020 class. Uh, Jabbar Triplett was. He has decided to enter the transfer portal. Uh, he was also a, a, a three-star recruit at the time, uh, as I mentioned, in the 2020 class. Unfortunately for, for Triplett, he has been just completely wrought with injury. He tore his Achilles uh, literally like a, what, it was his first game of the season, I think, uh, in his, uh, his 2020 uh, season, and then got rehabbed for that, suffered a knee injury at the beginning of 2021, which was season-ending surgery. So he hasn't been, uh, you know, available, unfortunately, because of injury to play at all, to play any kind of football. And then, interestingly enough, he had just posted on, uh, I think it was on Instagram, he was doing a workout. He was at Arizona Stadium going through, um, you know, drills and and, and such, uh, you know, agility drills and whatever, and, you know, basically like, you know, you know, ready to go. And, and then five days later, he enters a transfer portal. Um, he does have four years of eligibility remaining. So good luck to Jabbar triplets on, uh, on wherever he lands and uh, wish him the best. And it, just unfortunate, really, you know, the kid came in here and just got hurt two major, major injuries uh, for him kind of derailing his time here in Tucson. But uh, like I said, we wish him all the best and uh, we'll, Continue to see kind of, uh, you know, where he ends up and keep you apprised of that information if and when we get it. Plenty of other stuff to talk about today as well when we come back. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll start talking about Game 3 of the NBA Finals last night as the Celtics dominate the Golden State Warriors in Game 3, take a 2-1 series lead. What is wrong with the Warriors' defense? Game 4 is scheduled for Friday. Steve Kerr's got a lot of work to do with that lineup, uh, and specifically, what in the world is he going to do with Draymond Green? Because I'll be honest with you, right now, Draymond is a liability. More than he is helping that team, he is a detriment to that team right now with his attitude and his inability to score. He has become a real problem for Steve Kerr and that starting lineup. What do the Warriors do to try to wrestle control of this uh, of this series back into uh, into their hands. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean show. The Jeff Dean show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean show on 1490 AM 1049 FM ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN, Tucson. Talking some NBA Finals here as uh, Game 3 in Boston goes to the Celtics. They beat the Warriors handily, 116-100, to 100, and they kind of did it by kind of flipping the script a little bit on the dubs. They were the bullies. They were the team that played uh, kind of rough in, you know, granted, and as I've talked about all week long, going home to Boston was going to be a huge boost 
for the Celtics and it was going to allow them to play in a different style than they were, you know, had to play when they were in San Francisco. Uh, you know, I mentioned the, the Boston fans, and then so did Clay Thompson last night during his press conference. Um, not that Clay has never played in Boston before, and this, you know, this was, you know, all new to him or anything, but, uh, I'm, I'm sure that the, the Boston fans were um, <laughs> quite cordial, as we know uh, Boston fans to be. And he even mentioned he was like, they're, they're just classless. Uh, they said some horrible things. Uh, not surprised. Uh, it's Boston for you. My question here, you know, people want to talk about, oh, the, you know, the three starters from Boston, they, you know, they scored over 24 points, and Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and Jalen Brown's having a, a you know a really nice series here. In fact, he's kind of the, the front runner for the uh, for the series MVP right now. Although you may argue that Steph may be the front runner for the series MVP, even though in a, in a losing effort at this point. Um, but you know, my issue is what is going on with the Warriors defense? I mean, the Warriors defense for the last decade has been one of the best in the NBA. And even most of this season was pretty damn good. I mean, they were a top five defensive team once again, all season long, and now they can't stop Boston from scoring. Now, I have my, uh, you know, my particular opinions and philosophies on that. Last night, they just got bullied. Like, they just, Boston just said, we are not going to allow you to come into this building and push us around. We're not going to let Draymond do his thing. And Draymond did his thing. And Draymond was terrible last night. We'll get into that in a moment. But, when you look at what the Celtics did, like where they dominated the game, both teams shot the exact same percentage from three. The Warriors took more because they were down uh, double digits most of the game, so that that you know lends itself to you know to understanding. But I think there was only I think they were only like plus nine uh, from beyond the arc last night. Here's the difference in the game: the reason why the Celtics won going away and why it looked so easy for them at times. They outscored the Warriors in the paint. 52 to 26. That's double. 52 to 26 points in the paint. You see that immediately you can start saying, wow, that must have been a blowout. Unless the other team shot 48% from three and launched 42 of them in the air. Uh, that's blowout city. Second chance points for the Boston Celtics 22 to 11. 11's not bad. 22 is a lot. <laughs> 22 second chance points in any kind of basketball game, regulation in a basketball game is a lot, probably because they had 15 offensive rebounds in the game, out-rebounded the, uh, the Warriors 15-6 to offensively, 47-31 to overall, a plus-16 rebound margin for the Celtics, leading to the egregious, uh, you know, I guess overwhelming number of points in the paint and second-chance points. And that was the real difference. It was, it was kind of bully ball by the Celtics, and I will tell you this also. I think that Ime Udoka is doing a phenomenal job of coaching this team, not only all the way through the Eastern Conference uh, playoffs, which you know, which he did. Obviously, he got the team there. But you watch the Celtics play right now; they are speeding up the Warriors. They're trying to play as fast as they can for two reasons. Number one, the Warriors look. This is nothing new. They're a turnover machine. They have been one of the worst offenders in the NBA in regards to you know turnovers per game every year for the last seven, eight years. Like they that's just that's what they're known for. They turn the ball over a lot. And it's you know, even that 
they're, they're you know they're still hard to beat because they're just so good at everything else that they do. They can they can afford to turn the ball over twenty times a ga- in a game and still win the game. So the Celtics have tried to speed up the Warriors to try to you know essentially create more uh, create more possessions for themselves, knowing that they can now kind of beat them up and play a little bully ball. But what they also have is they have more athleticism than the Warriors. And I think that's where the real problem is because, I mean, watching the game last night and watching, you know, what I was able to see of games one and two, I, I don't I, – like, Steve Kerr's got his, got his work cut out for him. I don't know how they rescue this series back. Like, if, if I'm – if I'm predicting the outcome of this series now, and I know this is you know Johnny come lately here as the Celtics are up two one in this series, I don't think the Warriors win another game. They are just completely outmatched athletically. They don't have the athletes. Clay Thompson doesn't look right now. Steph Curry is hurt because he got fell on by big fat old Al Horford last night at the free throw line. Although it didn't look, it looked worse than it was. I don't think it was all that bad. I think Steph was taking his moment to get some rest there with four minutes remaining, trying to trying to mount the comeback that they needed uh, in that moment. I think they were down 11 or 12 at that time. And he knew that they were going <laughs> to they were gonna have to have a furious comeback to try to get back in that game. Uh, but they just, like, they don't have, they don't have enough athletes to run with, with the Celtics right now. The Celtics are running them out of the building. And when you couple that with their ability to now bully them because they've got more size guys like, you know, Robert Williams, and even, you know, Jalen Brown is a size mismatch and Jason Tatum, even though he's slight is a tall and, you know, lengthy uh, six foot eight wing player. He's, you know, he's a size problem uh, for the, for the, for the Warriors. And, you know, you coming off the, you know, coming off the bench for the Warriors, they don't have a whole lot of length and size coming off of the bench either. You know, GP and uh, Jordan Poole and, <clears throat> you know, those types of players, and Kaminga gives them some size, but he's not like they're not going to play him twenty-two minutes a game. Kevon Looney, as you know, as well as he fits in with their philosophy, he doesn't demand the ball. He just kind of gets some puts back, putbacks here and there, and does his job boxing out and, and all that kind of stuff. He was only on the court for what, what, fifteen minutes last night because he can't keep up. Like he can't even keep up with Robert Williams. <laughs> so. The Warriors have a real, real problem on their hands right now, and that is they can't keep up all of a sudden, and it's causing them all kinds of problems on defense. And I will say the, this, this other thing before we, before we, uh, we take a break, because I, I want to continue talking about uh, the NBA Finals here, and this is what we'll lead off the next segment with, is what, what is Steve Kerr going to do with Draymond Green? Because last night, two points, what was it? Two points, four rebounds, and three assists. He had nine Essentially, nine numbers on the uh, on, on the on the box score, essentially that that affect the you know the game in that way, the you know, the three mains, and fouled out with six fouls. So he almost had as many fouls as he had points, rebounds, and assists combined. That ain't gonna do it. And the Celtics are now learning like he's not even gonna shoot the ball, so we're not even gonna worry about him. We're gonna continue to double Steph and make his life a living hell because Kevon Looney isn't an issue for us. We got Robert Williams there can take him one on one all day long, blindfolded with one hand tied behind his back. And now Draymond, who normally would be a threat to score twenty points on any night, go six for nine from the you know from beyond the arc, isn't even looking to shoot. As soon as he catches the ball, he immediately goes into you know pass and diffuse mode. It's a huge problem, huge problem right now for Steve Kerr. So 
They're going to figure that thing out. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show. All right, engaging in some text messages here. My uh, guest will not be able to. I shouldn't say my guest. I didn't schedule anybody. I was just checking to see if someone was available. Um, unfortunately, they're not, which is it's okay. That's all right. It's uh, it's fine. And uh, we will talk about the uh, the topic at hand. That'll be coming up at the eight o'clock hour. We'll be hitting that at eight o'clock to uh, discuss the topic that I posed on Twitter yesterday that we teased. And uh, which essentially the, the question is, and if, if you didn't get a chance to look on Twitter, I know a lot of you aren't on Twitter. That's kind of like the one thing I get from a lot of you guys when I meet you out in public and stuff. It's like, uh, you know, sorry, I don't follow you on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. And I'm like, good for you. Don't be on Twitter if you don't have to, <laughs> because it's a, uh, sometimes it can be, well, I shouldn't say sometimes, most of the time it's a cesspool. Um, so if you, if you didn't get a chance to be on Twitter and you, you're wondering what, what the hell I'm talking about, the question that I posed on Twitter that I'll be talking about at the 8 o'clock hour today is which Sean Miller-era player would have benefited most from playing with Tommy Lloyd, playing under Tommy Lloyd in Tommy Lloyd's system in the new uh, era of Arizona basketball? That's the question that I posed on Twitter, and that's what I'll be talking about uh, at 8 o'clock coming up after the uh, uh, in hour number two here, right here on the Jeff Dean Show. So tune in for that. And... Uh, um, we'll see if, uh, you know, how much, how much blowback I get from the player that I'm going to offer up, in my opinion, who I think would have benefited most. But we're going to continue to talk about game three of the NBA Finals here. Look, you know, you know Steph was injured late in the fourth. Um, you know, Horford falls on him with, like, you know, a little over four minutes to go. Looked like he was, you know, in quite a bit of pain. I still don't think, look, Steph is a lot tougher guy and a lot bigger guy than I think people give him credit for. Like if you see Steph in person, I remember the you know the, the only time I ever saw him like really in person, like up close and personal, like standing next to the guy, I was really surprised at how big he was. Like I, I was like, man, he's, he's a lot bigger than I expected him to be. It was like when I saw LeBron for the first time. Like I saw LeBron his rookie year. He came to Phoenix, the the the, uh, the Cavs came to Phoenix, I think it was like the third game, third home game of the season for the Suns. Cavs were in town. And, uh, like, he was standing next to Amari, and he's bigger than Amari was. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> okay. And then I went to the Cavs locker room, and I was like, yeah, this kid's big, man. He's got he got size. Like, he's he's going to be a problem in the NBA for sure. Little did I know. I mean, look, I, there are prodigies that come out of high school all the time. They don't always pan out. He wasn't a, you know, a guarantee I don't think there are any, any guarantees in sports anymore. Uh, but, yeah, I was like, mm, yeah, he's he probably going to be pretty good. <laughs> uh, but I digress. The The real problem right now with with the Golden State Warriors is what, in, what on earth are they going to do with Draymond Green? Last night, as I mentioned, 34 minutes last night, two points, four rebounds, three assists, had six personal fouls, fouled out of the game, had a couple of turnovers as well. Uh, he took – Four shots from the field. He was 0 for 2 from beyond the arc. One of them was, I, th- I think he was kind of nearing the end of the of the shot clock, and he just kind of threw it up in the air. Another one was a legitimate, you know, got a good look at it and, and you know, took the shot. But if, you know, it, 
you know, one of the things that made Draymond so difficult to deal with, not only because of how good defensively he's been for his entire career and how much energy he brings and how strong he is and how light on his feet he is for, you know, for not, not, not a big man. He's, you know, he's like, like say, you know, Charles Barkley was a big man. Well, he was 6'5". You know, he's not, he's not a big man. He's, you know, he's a big man, but he's, he plays bigger than he is. Same with Draymond. The one thing that made Draymond really, really dangerous was his ability to fill the stat sheet with those weird triple doubles, like 11 points, you know, 10 rebounds, 13 assists type of uh, type of nights. I think I think th- those times are done. And, and, yeah, granted, you know, those were, you know, three, four years ago that he was doing that, and he's definitely got gotten longer in the tooth. But nothing keeps you from passing the ball, and you've certainly got a, a, a plethora of great shooters on that team to throw the basketball to. And the only thing that keeps you from rebounding is yourself and your effort that you give. So, <laughs> and with teams now kind of laying off of him, he almost passed up a layup last night, I saw. Like, he was he was in the middle of the lane and kind of got there, and Williams kind of stepped over a little bit, was still kind of hedging, though, a little bit, you know, waiting for the, you know, for the dump pass, the drop pass underneath. He knew it was coming. And so he really didn't attack Draymond. Draymond could have just gone and laid up the bucket, but again – and he just kind of like looked, and then he dribbled out and passed out to the top of the key where Steph Curry was then getting double teamed, and it was a problem. Like he's he is not doing them any favors right now. He is causing problems, uh, you know, with you know, essentially you know, stirring it up, causing some issues. And again, I don't think it's that big of an issue internally for the you know for the Warriors. It's something that the media and the fans like to talk about. Oh, the Draymond started up. I don't think it's a you know it's a huge problem. That's just that's Dre's game. That's what he does. Um, but what you can't have him out there doing is playing 34 minutes, taking four shots from the field, and not getting any rebounds and not delivering any assists. Like he's just he's a waste of space out there. And that's really the problem that the Warriors have is they got a couple guys in that starting lineup that just aren't pulling their weight. Kevon Looney, 16 minutes last night, 6.7 rebounds. Like, uh, okay, <laughs> and again, not athletic enough to you know to keep up with with the Boston Celtics and everything they're throwing at them. And then, so you you know you got to go with you got to you got to go with a, you know, a smaller lineup, which is fine. You know, the, the Warriors go small all the time, but the Celtics. Here's the problem: the Celtics are athletic and big, so it's not just you're going small against a big team and you're going to outrun them. Like when. Six foot eight Jason Tatum and six foot six Jalen Brown are out there. Those guys are running the floor, and they're you know two of the quicker guys out there. Like the Celtics don't have that. I mean, yes, Horford is a loaf, and Robert Williams isn't the most athletic guy in the world, and Marcus Smart isn't big, but again, another guy that kind of plays bigger than he really is. And then you got Derek White coming off the bench. He's really athletic. It was a hell of a pickup for them, man. I. I Brad Stevens, uh, you know, working that trade with the San Antonio Spurs, who never trade any anybody ever. Like they, you never hear the San Antonio Spurs engaged in a trade. I was like, I think that trade, the Derek White trade, was the first player they've traded away in like ten years in San Antonio. No kidding. So props to to Brad Stevens for working that deal because Derek White's been a, a godsend for them as a backup point guard, and Peyton Pritchard has played well also. Uh, if again, if I'm reading the tea leaves right now, the Warriors are in big, big, big trouble. And if they don't figure out, if Steve Kerr can't figure out, and I think he can, Steve Kerr is one of the one of the great coaches in the league. 
But if he can't figure out, if he just doesn't have anybody that can step up and fill the role or can't motivate Draymond to do better and be better, then this thing's over in five. Forget about it. It's over. Warriors are dead in the water. They can't compete right now with the Boston Celtics. And I, it's strange to say, and I know it sounds, you know, oh, it's really convenient now that it's 2-1 and the Celtics are just blown out and they got a game coming up in two days and Steph Curry's hurt and it's really easy to say that the Celtics are the dominant team. They're going to win this series in five. But it has nothing to do with any of that. It has everything to do with what I see for 48 minutes during a game. And the Warriors aren't defending well enough. You have 100, another, you know, high 100-point game for an NBA, you know, not, not 180, but 116 is a lot. And you can't, you know, you can't, look, you can't give up 116 points if you're playing the best defensive team in the league, which the, the Boston Celtics were noted as all season long. They ended the season, the NBA's number one ranked defense. And if you want a chance, you can't give up 116 to that team. You get no chance at all. It'd be like, it'd be like playing the, the 2000 Baltimore Ravens and letting Trent Dilfer throw for 360 yards and three touchdowns. Like you have no prayer in that game. Zero. <laughs> so uh, I, I believe in the Warriors. I know they're a, they're a wonderful, you know, a wonderful franchise, a great program. They've got an awesome culture. They've got fantastic head coach, and they've got other great assistants there as well. And they've got Steph Curry, one of the greatest players of all time. But right now, they're no match for the Boston Celtics. Like, they can't, they can't get on their level. And they're going to figure out something. And there's a, there's a lot of things in their way right now. Like I said, Draymond is one of them, and I think size and athleticism is another. And they're just going to have to find a way to dig deep and play better defense because you can't just rely on Steph to be everything. And look, and, and Clay, look, Clay showed up last night. I thought Clay had a, had a nice game. Clay Thompson, what do you have? Twenty-five points in the game, and then he had like three assists. Like they're not, they're not sharing the ball the way that we saw them do for so long. He, what he, he took like thirteen or fourteen three pointers in the game last night. And Wiggins has been good. He you know led the team in minutes last night, but I just I don't know. Um, the the Celtics just. Seem to me like the much better team right now. The <clears throat> they should be they should be a heavy favorite, and 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 I'm not just talking about because they have a two one lead in game four at home. They should be a heavy heavy favorite now to win this series, just based on what we've seen over the first three games. And I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I really am. I thought the Western Conference was going to walk away with the championship this year, regardless of who showed up. <laughs> Like, I was like, yeah, it's the Western Conference's championship to lose. And now here are the Celtics, <laughs> poised to possibly take home the trophy with a rookie coach. Crazy. Hats off to them. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll talk about some NFL news and notes as the Rams make Cooper Cup a little bit richer. And what is going on in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson? We'll talk about that and a whole lot more next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. 
Don't forget, we've got those D-backs tickets we're giving away. If you're listening for your cue to call, it could happen between now and uh, any time between now and, uh, well, basically an hour from now. So be listening for your cue to call for that. You could be the winner of a pair of tickets to go see the D-backs and the Twins on Saturday, June 18th. Let's talk some NFL before we uh, switch over to hour number two, because coming up in hour number two, I want to get into my topic today, which is the uh, the Wildcats topic about Sean Miller-era players who would have benefited most from playing for Tommy Lloyd. Now, NFL news and notes, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, like, you know, it's it's nice that, uh, you know, that, that the Rams, even though they're, you know, they're coming off a, a dominant performance in the playoffs last year, winning the Super Bowl, obviously, that they don't have any money to spend uh, to be able to re-up any of their, you know, superstar players, that those players will be distributed amongst the league here in the next year or two. Yesterday, they made Aaron Donald the highest paid non-quarterback in the league history, and then, or two days ago, I'm sorry, yesterday, they gave Cooper Cup the Brinks truck. They backed it up. They gave him a three-year, $80 million extension, which is now going to make his current contract worth, uh, you know, five-year contract now, essentially, worth $110 million and $75 million guaranteed, which is the most guaranteed money ever given to a wide receiver, ever. Tyreek Hill recently had that title. <laughs> as little as two months ago, Tyreek Hill was the owner of that title at $72 million. Now Cooper Cup, $75 million guaranteed. Look, he earned it. He is a badass receiver. He, no doubt about it. And he and Matt Stafford, are they click on all cylinders, and it didn't take long for them to get there. I, where Where's the Rams' money coming from? <laughs> this is supposed to be a salary cap league. They just doled out $220 million yesterday. My goodness. What do we – the Lamar Jackson situation has got me completely perplexed right now because, as we've talked about on the show, Lamar Jackson represents himself. He doesn't have an agency. doesn't have an agency, pardon me, uh, and, and is essentially not in discussions with the Ravens in regards to a contract extension. He has not shown up for the OTAs, for the, for the uh, voluntary workouts. Jim Harbaugh, John, I can't saying Jim. John Harbaugh yesterday, head coach of the Ravens, said that uh, basically that he expects Lamar to show up for the mandatory camp, which is going to start next week, the three-day mandatory camp next week in Baltimore. Now, knowing coaches the way that I do and being around them as long as I have and knowing that they do use the media to send messages to their players has me interested based on what he said yesterday, just because he reiterated it several times in a really short quote. He said this yesterday. I know he's working hard. Lamar Jackson's a hard worker, so I'm not worried about how hard he's working. I fully expect him to come back in great shape because that's what he talks about. Wow. That Just that little sentence right there, I think could possibly be sending a message like we haven't spoken you better have your ass in shape when you get here next week because if you're not we're going to have problems that's an interesting just because i'm reading between them maybe i'm reading too much into this but i know coaches i know that he said it three times working hard working hard hard worker i fully expect him to be back in great shape because that's what he talks about That's speaking a lot, man. That says a lot without saying a whole lot. You know what I mean? 
All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, hour number two, we'll get into the topic of which Sean Miller era player would have had benefited the most from Tommy Lloyd's system. We're going to do a little quick little two-minute turnaround. We'll toss it to ESPN for a sports center. We'll be right back here on ESPN Tucson. This is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson. K285DL1049FM Tucson. And KMXC HD4 Tucson.